Praise the Lord, everybody. Let me hear a hand clap of praise. We are happy to be here this morning. I've got a good praise report. Amen, amen, amen. Well, last Sunday, um, my mom hadn't been doing good for a few days, and then I was back in the Sunday school room, and my dad started calling me and, my, and texting me, and he never texts. I knew something was wrong. And, uh, and my brother started calling me, and, and we got a bad report. And they were crying, and I was crying, and, and I prayed with my dad. I mean, we prayed together a little bit, thankfully. And um, so Sunday afternoon, long story short, I had told this church, <laughs> told my prayer warriors here to pray, and, uh, and they started praying on Sunday night, but Sunday afternoon we had to go down there because we didn't think she was going to make it. And so we drove down there. Sunday afternoon, and that was a sad trip down to Memorial Hospital in Chattanooga. And we turned on the radio, and they were singing <laughs> songs on SPN, and they were singing songs about heaven <laughs> and singing songs about death and things like that. And so we didn't think she was going to make it. Well, then, and I, like I said, I told my prayer warriors here, and y'all prayed. And so Monday morning, <laughs> amen, there's always a Monday morning, my dad called me. About 8 o'clock, and they got a good report with one set of doctors that still didn't know if she was going to make it or not, but they didn't get a good report. And then about 2.30, he called me again, and he was crying, and, and I was crying, and he said that they came in and said that the cancer is gone, that type of thing. And this was all just within about 24-hour period. So prayer works, amen, so the cancer is gone. So she beat that, uh, amen, amen, she beat that cancer, uh, she was diagnosed in 2015, she'd beaten that, and then she just got diagnosed again, um, whatever it was, two months ago, or six weeks ago, or something, and so she's beaten that, and ever since that day, she's gotten better, she's still got a long ways to go, but she's gotten better every day, and her white blood cell count has come up, but hallelujah, hallelujah, you know, God, hallelujah. God is bigger than cancer, amen. God is bigger than the devil. You know, I've been reading, just read, I think, yesterday, in the first three chapters of Job, you know, and it talks about, um, and again, the sons of God, talking about angels, good angels and fallen angels came to the throne of heaven, came to God to give a report, amen. And Satan has to give a report <laughs> to God, Amen. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect and upright in all that he does. The most uh, sanctified person on the face of the earth at that time. And he was wealthy. Had all kinds of stuff, all kinds of cattle, children, um, you know, in today's vernacular. Homes, cars, money, jobs, wealth. And Satan said, well, he's only serving you because he's got stuff. But long story short, Job lost everything. And Satan came again and said, He's only serving you because I haven't taken his health. And God said, You can afflict him, but you can't kill him. Amen. And God said that about my mom. Amen. You can afflict her, but you can't kill her. Hallelujah. And Job said these words, Naked came I, naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked I'll go out 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I just want to tell the devil and everybody here and listening, whether I have a lot of stuff or I don't have anything, amen, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether I have good health or whether I'm not, I'll serve the name of the Lord. I will serve God, amen. And that should be our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, God, I thank you, God, that I made it here this morning, Lord Jesus. I thank you for healing my mother. Thank you for touching my family, Lord God. We thank you, God, for everyone here in this service, Lord God. I pray the Holy Spirit will fill this place, God, and fill the hearts and lives of every single person here, Lord Jesus, that it would be running over and overfloweth, Lord Jesus, with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, Lord God. We want more of you, Lord Jesus. The song says we want more of you. We want to be closer to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in this world, Lord God. Of course, we pray for Israel and Russia and China and America and the Democrats and the presidential election and Everything that's going on, the Palestinians and the Muslims, and we pray for everything that's going on, Lord Jesus. We pray, God, that you will bless us this holiday season, Lord Jesus. Pray that you will pour out your blessings upon this church and around the world, Lord Jesus, that we can get more people saved, Lord God, because we see in the news Israel is the first and foremost in the news again after thousands of years. So we know, Lord Jesus, as the Bible says, as the fig tree puts forth its leaves, Lord God, we know that its time is very, very near, Lord Jesus. There's nothing else that has to happen, Lord God. We can see it in the news. We can read it in the papers. We can read it in the Bible. It's right at our door step, Lord Jesus. So we pray for however long we have left, and it's not long, that we can preach the gospel to every soul, every person, every nation around this world, that we can preach it to every single person so that they will have an opportunity to accept you and believe in you. Please bless this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I started out to win this race to serve the Lord and to look upon his face. But the way's been long and the way's been rough. But there is one thing for sure. I've got my mind made up. I've got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. God, you had enough. He said, you talk like a foolish woman. I got my mind made up. I got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Though I walk through 
Silver and 
gold could never buy his love from above. But when my soul needs healing, I begin to feel his power. There I say, thank you, Lord, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Well, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and he tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's God and name all the wealth I want. The worldly fame, if I could have still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Oh, there's nothing in the world that'll ever take the place of God's love. Silver and gold could never buy his love from above. And when my soul is healing, I begin to feel his power. There I say, thank you, Lord, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Well, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tips me in and tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's God and name all the wealth I want. And worldly fame, if I could have still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And I made my decision to have a bigger vision of my heavenly bridegroom in the sky oh so satan get behind me cause one day he won't find me i'll be gone my eyes are on the prize well satan came to me this morning without even a warning he said oh, why don't you just quit a compromise but i said listen here old devil with you i'm gonna live no i can't quit my eyes are on the prize and i made my decision to have a bigger vision of my heavenly bridegroom in the sky. So Satan, get behind me, cause one day you won't find me. I'll be gone, my eyes are on the prize. I was trying to say something, you know, there's a battle going on with people. And he's attacking, the enemy's attacking, and God's allowing him to. Because he's testing people. And I just want to give a short testimony. I was getting tested myself at work the other day. And there's a girl that is newer. She just started. Autumn knows. And I'm telling you, I don't know why, but I was just feeling just, I don't know. And all day long, I was like, what in the world is going on? And she had said the day before she was getting fall. I was like, what is going on? And we were serving food, and I could just sense that something was going on. And I knew she wasn't right, but I wasn't going to just go up to her and force it down her throat or anything. But I was just kind of just letting my light shine, me and all both. And we were standing there and serving, and I just saw her kind of demeanor just kind of go down like depressed. Like, you could just tell something was wrong. So fast forward a little bit, she was just going on doing her job, and she stepped to the side for a minute, and she was just being quiet. And I was like, what's going on? So she 
started crying. I was like, what? So I just kind of stood from a distance. She was talking to all of me just about things going on. It's not my business, but I was just standing there and I heard her say, I thought I was saved, but I'm not right. And I was like, hold on, we're going to fix this right now. <laughs> and I walked over, I said, do you want to pray to be right? She said, yes, she just started crying. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I walked up, I said, Autumn, give me your hand. She said, I don't know the prayer. I said, I do, I've done it a lot. And I grew up in a church. I said, just repeat after me. And we prayed and she asked Jesus in her heart. She cried. She said, I, the next day, she said, I feel so much better. I said, see, it makes a difference. You never know who's going to be in your path. And I'm so thankful that I didn't get in myself. But there's a new name written in glory that makes the difference. It makes a world of difference when you're getting battled. Just look towards the prize because I'm telling you, it'll be worth it. Don't give up and don't quit. Let your light shine this morning. Amen. Well, I made my decision to have a bigger vision of my heavenly bridegroom in the sky. So Satan, get behind me because one day you won't find me. Blood, but I'll drown you in Jesus' blood. I can't quit my eyes or own the prize. Sing it this morning. And I've made my decision to have a bigger vision of my heavenly bridegroom in the sky. So Satan, get behind me. Amen. I, she told us about that the other day, and I said, Woo, praise the Lord. Don't it feel good to get somebody to Jesus? That's the best feeling in the world. Amen. Is to see somebody lost come to, and you know, you know what a, what a testimony is when somebody says, I ain't saved. And others think they are. And so, I ain't saved. I'm undone. I'm lost. How many times have we heard people tell that testimony? They were sitting in a church service and being told they were saved or even thinking they were until conviction came. And they said, I ain't saved and I need to get right with God. Amen. You can be in church all of your life and not be saved. But conviction, boy, when it comes and you get saved, boy, you know that you're saved then. You don't have any doubts about it. Before you, you, you have a lot of questions you don't understand and you know things ain't right. But when you get saved, you know everything is fixed up now. Everything, the Holy Spirit comes in, you're now sealed. You're on your way to heaven and the devil can't do anything about it. He'll try, but he can't take your salvation because it was written in by blood. 
It was written by the power of the Holy Spirit. No man, that scripture has been perverted. No man can pluck you out of the hands of the Father. That's true. No man can take me out. I could take myself out, but there's no man, no church, no preacher, nobody can take me out when the Lord puts me in. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was a good testimony, a good testimony this morning about your mother, too. That touches me. I know, and not to compare mine to yours, we lost my mother two years ago. It was hard. It was it was a hard thing. The only comfort in part was that she was ready. She knew the Lord. She was ready. And that's what made the difference in everything. And I'll never forget, we the day she died, when we had to go to pray for her, when they unplugged the machine, I went to preach revival the same night for Brother Bobby in Middle Tennessee, and it wasn't easy. And I had to put I had to put aside all my stuff about my mother, this and that, and I had to now focus on preaching the gospel. And I tell you, it wasn't easy, but boy, when the Spirit of God is helping you to do it, you can do it. And preached all weekend, and and you know, and the only way I could have done this was with God's help. So. Be encouraged, Adam. The Lord's got his hand on your mother. Amen. It's obvious that he does. And God is, and you know, me and him were talking not long ago, and he mentioned on the phone, he, we were talking, he was telling me some information about her, I think, when this stuff happened recently. But when we were talking, at this, the Spirit of God just came on me, just all out of nowhere. And I felt it, and I began almost to cry. And I said, I'm going to tell you something, brother. I said, something good is going to come out of this. I don't know what it is, but something good. I feel it in my spirit. Something good is going to come out of this. And and I don't know what it is, but God always has a way of bringing something good out of something that looks really bad. Amen. He has a way of bringing life out of death. Lazarus can be in a tomb, but when Jesus shows up, he can bring something good out of it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you were like Lazarus in a tomb, dead. Spiritually dead, maybe about physically dead, but when Jesus showed up, he pulled you out, praise God, and you're a testimony today, amen. We're going to take up the offering this morning, and so we want to say thank you to everybody that helps us in remembering Veterans Day is tomorrow, right? Tomorrow we'll celebrate today, we'll mention today. I saw a picture this morning of, I don't know, somebody put it on the internet of um, some military, I think soldiers sitting in a cafeteria somewhere eating, and... Huh? Was it yesterday? Why am I thinking Monday? Why is it because everybody's off Monday? Is that what it is? Or you're not off Monday? Yesterday. That's right, because you posted it. Anyway, somebody posted a picture, and it shows some military men sitting in a cafeteria, and it showed one man walking through the uh, line getting a tray, and he had a dress on. His bottom part of his you know, his, you know, he had a shirt, T-shirt on top. He had a dress on the bottom. I thought, you know, that's the devil right there. That he wants to destroy, infiltrate. That that's not a representation of the true military, because men don't dress like women. Oh, I said men don't dress and they don't act like women. Men act like men, and it's sad that the devil's trying to corrupt the military. The veterans, and he's trying to misrepresent, but you know, there's still people that gave their life for us to have what we have today. We're here today because people laid down their lives. Some of them knew the Lord, some didn't know the Lord. But isn't it something that a man that even doesn't know the Lord 
is willing to shed his blood so that you and I, so this country can go free, that we can keep freedoms. Amen. So we just want to say thank you to everybody, all the veterans, those here. Michael's one. Melissa's dad is not here today, but anybody else. I don't think there's anybody else. Well, Ralph was. Amen. And we got family members that were and are. So thank the Lord that we still have a military because we still have some protection. Some. (laughs) Some. But we're going to need God's protection more than anybody. Amen. Because that devil's trying to infiltrate every aspect of our society to, to ruin it. But I believe God's going to turn it around. I do. I believe the Lord's got, God has his hand in things. And he's only going to let it go so far until he steps in and says, okay, this is enough. I'm going to have to shake things up. I'm going to have to turn some things around to get y'all's attention because you ain't listening to what I'm trying to tell you. He's about to shake this earth. Amen. I ain't worried about it because my heart's right with them. I'm worried about the ones that ain't right with them. I'm worried about the ones that are going to die and go to hell. That's our job to get people to Jesus because people are dying lost every second and going to hell. And we have a job to tell them that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Whether they want to hear it or not, they need to hear, have the opportunity just to hear that he did it. Amen. You can't make people get saved. You can't make people take it. You can't make people live right. You can't make people come to church. You can't make people do anything. You got to let God do the making, amen. And boy, when he's doing it, he's good at doing it. So let's take up the offering this morning and ask the Lord to bless our service. Lord, we ask you to move this morning. We ask you to bless the offering this morning. We ask you to bless the givers. We ask you to touch people, God. We ask you to move in this place. Lord, we ask you to have your way. Lord, we ask you to let your spirit wash over us, touch us, cleanse us, heal us, forgive us, change us, and restore us, Lord. Lord, we thank you today, God, for the men that have laid down their life, God, for the freedoms that we have, Lord. And God, we pray for the military that you would put your hand upon it, God, that you would strengthen this military, that we would have a defense, Lord, in times of trouble, Lord, that they would be able even to offer help to those who need the help, God. We ask you to move in this nation, Lord. All around this world, move in this nation, God, and touch and bless in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Jesus in the boat. That's the only way we can make it. Amen. You must have the Lord in your boat with you. If not, you'll jump out of the boat. You'll sink. You'll drown. You won't make it. 
You got to hold on. The song says, hold on to Jesus. Hold her on. You can't let go. She said it a while back when she was preaching. You can't take your eyes off of Jesus for one second. You can't. I mean, because if you do, you'll slip. And that's, that's, that's the purpose of the message of the cross is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. To be able to live your life right, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. To make it through the stuff that the devil's trying to throw at us, you got to hold on to Jesus. You can't do it on your own. When's the church going to learn this? You can't breathe on your own. You can't get to work on your own. You can't get to Walmart on your own. You can't do anything on your own. You got to have Jesus, amen. And you got to have it more than just Sunday. <laughs> I heard Gabriel preaching yesterday. Boy, he was preaching a good message on a rerun. It says, time to people stop acting like a Christian and start being a Christian. The difference in acting and being. You see, you can come to church on Sunday and act, but you got to be on Monday morning. You got to be on Tuesday. You got to be out there in this world because that's where it really matters at. We all can come in here and look good together, but when you get out there is where you're going to be tested. It's where we're going to be hit. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This has been on my heart for a little bit. Uh, recently, matter of fact, last week, but it came back to me this week again, and I believe this is the direction the Lord wants me to go in this morning. First Corinthians chapter three, verse starting at verse one, the Bible says, "And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ." I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? You want to know how to tell whether or not what a person is putting their faith in? You want to know how to tell who we're putting our faith in, what we're putting our trust in, how we live, how you treat others, how you talk about others. Hmm. How you... Treat those in the church, out of the church. If we ain't careful, and I'll tell you, some of you ain't going to like me this morning, but you're going to have to get over it. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. The church needs to grow up. This church needs to grow up. Some of you need to grow up. You're acting like a baby. You're acting like a child. How do I know it? Because I see the activity. I see. I hear the remarks. I hear the stuff coming from people that ought to be 
mature in the Lord. I hear, I see things, and I hear the the bickering and the 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 slurs that people come sometimes from church. That somebody lashes out another because they didn't like something, and somebody else did, or or they didn't come to church, and I did come to church, and blah blah blah. Let me tell y'all something. People are going to hell. And some of you acting like kids. You're acting like a baby. And it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up, church. You're representing Jesus Christ. What are you representing? Who are you representing in your lifestyle? How do you talk to people? How do you, what do you say to people on Facebook? What do you say about people? And listen, I ain't trying to be mean this morning. I love all of you. But I ain't going to back up from the truth. Whether you love me or hate me, I have to tell you what your problem is. Your problem is you're carnal. Your problem is, listen, anytime these things happen, look, well, you ain't got no right to say nothing like that, really. Really. I guess Paul didn't have a right to say anything about the church he established, did he? Last time I checked, Thomas and Melissa Klein established this church right here in Athens, Tennessee. And we didn't make you come. You started coming because you wanted the truth. Come on, or why do you come? Do you come because you want the truth? Do you come because you want to live right? Do you come because you want to hear the word of God? Do you come because you want to see people get saved? Do you come because you want to grow in the Lord? Do you come because you just don't want to be the same old, same old anymore and you just want to see God make a change in your life? If that's the reason why you come, good news, God's going to work in you but if it ain't you're going to cause yourself a lot of problems let's pray Lord we come to you in the name of Jesus we ask you this morning to help us Lord I ask you for your anointing for your power for your strength and Lord I pray God in Jesus name that you would tear down every stronghold of the devil that you would move the powers of hell out of your people's way, God, that you would help us, Lord, to be able to see clearly the tactics of the evil one. To see, Lord, to, Lord, when we do wrong, we need conviction. And we need it from you, Lord, not from a preacher. We need it from you. Lord, when we get off track, we need correction. And only you can bring that correction to us. Lord, I pray this morning, God, for people here, those that are watching, Lord, no matter what their problem is, there is a solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the answer for every single thing we face, Lord. We all know that. We have to learn that. We have to accept that. And we have to walk in it. Lord, we ask you to have your way this morning and just move and touch people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The whole reason Paul said what he said in the very few verses that I just read to you was because this church that he established Listen, established upon the truth of the gospel. There's no doubt that these people had gotten saved. 
there's no doubt that these people, that the environment that some of these people were in before was filthy, it was vile, it was wicked. I mean, they were involved in idolatry, witchcraft, drunkenness, debauchery of every, every kind of sin you could think of. And when Paul came to this town and he began to bring the gospel to them, people who started hearing the gospel and repenting of their sins and accepting Jesus Christ, guess what happened? They started getting saved. And guess what else happened? They got changed. And guess what else happened? They stopped doing a lot of the things that they used to do. They heard the truth. They, they heard from a man who had a first hand experience with Jesus Christ himself. Let me tell you, until a man, if the man that stands behind the pulpit that preaches to you, if he has not had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ that has changed him himself, you're listening to the wrong person. We gotta, we, people, men trying to occupy a pulpit, there's no evidence they even know Jesus. So Paul knew what he was preaching. God gave to him the message that he preached. God told him and showed him, you go into this town and I don't want you to go in declaring the wisdom of men. I don't want you going in preaching 40 days of purpose. I want you to go in and I want you to tell them about the one that knocked you to the ground. I want you to go in and tell them about the one you persecuted. I want you to go in and tell them that he is real. I want you to go in and tell them that he was crucified he was buried and he was raised up from the dead and he died so they can have salvation they can be free from drunkenness they can be free from debauchery they can be free from the bondages of the flesh I want you to tell them the truth and when you do I'm going to anoint you with power and people are going to get right with me I'm going to turn them around I'm going to pull them out of hell I'm I'm going to change their life and I'm going to start a church in Corinth. And that's what he did. A city filled with all kinds of wickedness. And somebody said this, and it's true. If the gospel would work in Corinth, will it work in Athens? Will it work in America? You know what the problem with some people is? Their gospel changes. Oh, it's good when we're in church. But you get out there on that job. You get out in that real world and you start listening to all this bunch of garbage coming from people about all their problems and all their issues and how they go to the psychiatrist and psychologists have to take medicine and you sit there and you kind of go along with them rather than telling them Jesus can make them free. Come on, don't be a double-minded man. Speaking out of both sides of your mouth, you either believe the gospel works or you don't. Paul knew that the gospel worked. He knew it because it had changed his own life. That's how we know it. It's changed us. And look, it is changing us. Jesus didn't die. Everybody listen to this real good. 
Jesus didn't die to save you, to leave you where you are. He didn't die, he didn't save you to let you just go on your merry way, live your own life, do your own thing, and make your life all about you. He died to save you and to change you and to continue to change you. Boy, it's really quiet. See, for everybody that don't mind change, we say amen. To the people who know they need change, they say, oh, hey, amen. Now, to the ones that say, well, I'm just satisfied where I am. You just sit there with you. I'm hearing you. I hear you. I hear you, preacher. But if you're not careful as a Christian, you can be hindered in your walk with God. Listen, if you're not careful as a Christian, listen, some of the very things the Lord saved you and delivered you from, you can go back to. Did you hear that? I'm going to say something else while I'm here. I noticed in the last couple of months, I've seen some people lay some things down in this church, and I'm going to say I'm happy and I'm proud. I mean, physically, I've seen some things laid on the altar. Matter of fact, I confiscated them and put them in my desk in the office because I'm saving them for the tes- a testimony. But here's what I want to say. You can come down to this altar, and I don't know who all did it. I, I kind of do some, but I don't. But I didn't pay no attention to it. I just did what I felt like I should do. You can come to this altar, and you can lay stuff down, and you walk right out the door. If, if you don't let the Holy Ghost get down in here, where, listen, the true deliverance comes from, you'll pick it back up. So just look, I don't ever want to discourage anybody from coming to an altar and laying in. I don't care who you are and what your issue is. You feel a little to come down here, you come down here. But you need to know something. Coming down here ain't deliverance. Coming to the altar ain't deliverance. Your deliverance ain't in the altar. Your deliverance is in a man. Your deliverance ain't in what you do. Your deliverance is in the one who paid the price to deliver you from the bondages of the devil. And I don't, whatever it is, Satan might be using to try to hinder you, harm you, hurt you. The Lord Jesus Christ has already made the way for your deliverance. So when you come down here, I want you to come. Remember this. It's Jesus that's going to set you free. It's Jesus that's going to take the desire out. It's Jesus that's going to help you walk out that door and when the devil comes a knocking, showing you an easier way, you can put your foot down and say, let me tell you something Satan. I went down there this morning and I was serious and I was, I was, I was sincere before God and I'm laying stuff down and I'm not going to try to free myself from it but I'm trusting in Jesus Christ to to make me free so this temptation you're trying to dangle in front of my face back at you devil the whom the son has set free is free indeed let me say it again you can go to an altar but if your heart it's not where it's supposed to be. You won't find deliverance. The deliverance ain't in the altar. That's just, a, this is a place of a sign of bringing things to God. The deliverance is in 
a man. His name is Jesus. He is the deliverer. He can deliver you from anything. I don't care what it is. If it's a temper, if it's anger, jealousy, envy, malice, wickedness, the Bible said the works of the flesh have been subdued by the power of God. Jesus Christ broke them and we do not have to live in them or live with them. You don't have to be nasty to your neighbor. You can be kind to your neighbor with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It ain't always being, it ain't always easy being nice to everybody, is it? Ain't always easy being forgiven to people that do you wrong. But when you do it God's way, you can do it. If you don't do it God's way, you can't do it. And that way is through His Son. So when Paul wrote the things that he wrote, listen, you know what he was doing? He was rebuking his own church. Correcting the very people that he brought to the Lord himself. Why? Because he said that it it was brought to his attention that there were now problems in the church that he established. Somebody snitched on him. (laughs) Boy, somebody will always tell. It will always come out one way or the other. Boy, the flesh will show up. Somebody will know it. He said it was declared to him by the household of Chloe that there were contentions among these very people that he brought to the Lord. And he's like, what is going on? How can this be? These these people have been established On the solid rock, these people have been delivered. They've been changed by the power of God. What's going on here? But then the information begins to be relayed to them about what they're doing. Somebody says, hey, you know what these people are doing? Hey, guess what the people in your church are doing? They're lifting you up. They're making more out of you than they should. Oh, you know what else they're doing? They're claiming that they were saved because they were baptized by you. Oh, you know what else they're doing? They say they like they like this preacher better than that preacher to the tearing down of that preacher. Oh, they say, well, we, we're a Paul. And the other group says, well, we have Apollos. And others say, well, we got Cephas. You know, he's the rock. He walked with Jesus. These other boys don't really know what they're talking about. And he said, hey, what are you doing? Was He said, you need to understand something. Paul was not crucified for you. No preacher was crucified for you. And it doesn't matter who baptized you in water because Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He said because the preaching of the cross there's what makes you free. There's what saves your soul. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish. It's foolishness. But unto we that are saved, don't you remember? Come on. 
Don't you remember we that are saved, we that have been born again, we that heard the gospel and opened our heart. What did we experience? We experienced the power of God. We experienced a change. We experienced deliverance from bondages of the flesh. We stopped gossiping. We stopped cussing people out. We stopped lying on people. We stopped worshiping idols. We stopped getting drunk. We stopped getting on Facebook, bashing everybody. We stopped. We stopped. We stopped. (laughs) Because we experienced the power of God. When we accepted the gospel, when we said yes to Jesus, the power of God invaded our heart and life. And we were born again. And at that very moment, we began to experience a change. And that's why we stopped doing some of the things we used to do. But see, you got to be careful that you don't get hung up on, well, I don't do that anymore, and I don't do that anymore, and I don't smoke it, and I don't drink it, and I'm a good person. And you stop where you are, and you quit growing, and you just as carnal as the old backbiter. Just as self-righteous because I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Well, why don't you do it? Is it because you've arrived to the place where you think you've done something? Or did Jesus do it? See, what he starts, he wants to finish. I said what he starts, he wants to finish. Look, he that has begun a good work in you is going to continue. He wants to continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that means God is always wanting to change us. And let me tell you, don't worry. If you ain't so willing to come and let God change you, He's got some things laid out and planned for you, brother, that you don't know of that'll get you to the place, boy, to where you'll hit your knees, to where you'll cry out in sincerity. You'll say, oh, God, have mercy on me. He'll let things happen in your life. Let me tell you something. He can cause things. He can orchestrate things. If you ain't quite moving like you ought to be moving, don't worry, because I got a God in heaven that knows how to hedge up my way, who knows how to bang my foot up against the wall on a stubborn mule, who knows how to do whatever. He He can put you in a burning, fiery furnace and show you you need some stuff burned out of you, and the only way it's coming out is when the fourth man comes into the fire he had to correct his own church he had to preach things to them to say look y'all I love you but you need to y'all need to get in line y'all got to come y'all got to get back in line look we just had revival anybody been attacked Anybody got out of line? I know somebody pull you back in line. <laughs> but you got to let him. You should expect to be attacked when God moves. You need to expect to be attacked like Michaela said, that battle going on in her mind at work. I don't know how many times I've experienced that over and over and over through the years. Me and my wife, it happens to us. And sometimes I'm like, what, 
My Lord, I don't know how much more. What in the world's going on? And then, boom, here comes something. Something good happens. In the early days, that confused me. I didn't know what was going on till I learned the truth. Till I started learning that when God reveals to you and gives you information and teaches you things, He's going to test you on it. Now, you got to be willing to follow past the test, do things God's way, endure up under it, walk through it, don't run from it. Running from it only delays you. Running from the problems only delay you. The First Corinthians 10, 13, one of our favorite scriptures we learn in the memory verses that as a young Christian, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common unto man. But God is faithful that he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Listen, but will with the temptation, not get rid of the temptation, will with the temptation make the way of escape, not running away, bearing through it, that you may be able to endure it. You can't run from it. You've got to learn how to endure it. When, listen, when a, when, when a football team, you know this better than anybody here, when a player gets hurt on a football team, do they pull the whole team out? When a player gets injured on the team, what happens? If, they, if he's hurt, he can't play. They put him on the sidelines. What do they do? Hey, you, go in and play for him. <laughs> Come on, y'all. They don't stop the game. They don't quit the game. You can't quit when somebody else is injured, church. Come on, somebody. You can't drop out. You and I got to press on. Now, somebody might need to get in and pray for the, pray for the other player. Pray for the one this week. Pray for the one that ain't where they need to be. Pray for the one that has succumbed to the temptation. Don't bash them. Pray for them. They don't kick the injured player out because he's injured. They let him heal. Some other players may go to him and say, hey, don't worry, encourage him. You'll heal up. It'll get better. you get back in the game. It ain't no different in the church. It's no different, folks. Huh. Oh, I can tell what some of y'all are thinking. I can feel it. I can just feel it. That one injured player can't get over the fact that that player is injured again. Well, you're going to have to get over it. And you're going to have to get your eyes on Jesus because if you get your focus on the injured player, you'll stumble yourself. You'll fail yourself. You'll fall. You'll miss it. And it's not fun watching people get injured. It is not fun watching people get hurt. It's not fun, and it sure ain't fun watching people that you give the truth to week after week not use it. You know, what's, you know what can be more discouraging to me and her than anything in this church? She told me this morning, it's already been on my heart, the most discouraging thing I can ever experience in this church is to stand here week after week after week and tell you the way to get through every one of your problems, to overcome all of your bondages, get through all the things that you're dealing with, but yet sit 
but not sit, but to see you be defeated week after week after week. Well, how do you know that? Because some of you tell on yourself when you walk through the door. <laughs> Your expression says it all. Some of you came to revival mad the whole time. Mad the whole time you were at revival. Instead of enjoying and getting blessed and letting God do what God wanted to do, you sit here mad. That tells me you are carnal. You're functioning in carnality. Look, and I'm going to tell you what the reason why. It's really simple. You've gotten your eyes off of Jesus Christ and your focus is now on look either you or somebody else what this one is doing what that one's doing what that one ain't doing and what I am doing and the result is always the same flesh okay well let's see what Paul had to say about it to his church here's what happens he said I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal y'all still love me don't you you gotta love me to get to heaven and I gotta love you as stubborn as we are one another I still gotta love you even when I come preaching you sit there and look at me ugly I still gotta love you do you know how long it's taken me to learn how to stand here and preach to people with ugly looks at me and walk on out the door and go on my way and say praise the Lord anyhow and I'm coming back and preaching again that wasn't easy in the early years sometimes I wanted to walk out and take some come here What's wrong with you, man? How come you ain't getting it? (laughs) Boy, it takes time to learn how to be patient with people. And it's something that only God can work in you. Okay, just use your kids for an example, parents. How patient are you with them? (laughs) You ever want to snatch them up or don't want to, you do. Jerk them up, snatch them up. I've seen several times, I've seen Christy, I've seen Levi when he was littler. Moseying around, da da da, and I've seen, and I see her sitting in that seat over her, and he wouldn't act it up, and I see her face, I said, uh oh. <laughs> He's feeling to get it. And it wouldn't be just a second later, Phew! out that door, I said, woo! But you know what? They need it from time to time. Your children need it. They need correction. We all need correction. So don't get upset if the Holy Ghost whips you. Just let God have his way. If the Lord corrects you, take it like a man. Take it like a woman. And look, grow from it. Mature from it. Don't run out. He just preached that because of me. You got it right. Sure enough, because of you, you're sitting here. I preached it because of you. I don't know who else I'm supposed to be preaching to. <laughs> they said, he said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. I can't, I can't, he said, I can't relate to you. I've come to the place that I can't relate to you spiritual things that will help you to grow and mature in the Lord because you can't handle it. What, what, why, what, why, how have you gotten to the place to where, listen, here's what it is. You stop growing. You stop maturing. You stop 
letting God make a change in you. This is what the bottom line is. And the, the result of it is flesh. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's my way. And he says, I can't relay to you the things that I want to because you can't handle it. I mean, how, what a rebuke to look at people that you, you preach, you establish in the gospel and say, you're acting like a baby. I can't relay to you things that God wants to give to you because you are carnal. You're not able to handle it. You're acting like a baby. Amen, Malachi. Even as unto babes in Christ. Look, he said, I have fed you with milk. Everybody starts with milk. Everybody. Every single one of us started with milk. You have to. Just as a little baby has to be fed milk. Little Malachi last night, is on, he's on milk. He took his first little bite of some softy food last night. And he was, it won't be long now. He'll be sucking it down from a spoon. But he'll still be drinking milk for a while. But at some point, the bottle has to be taken away. Solid foods have to start being given so that he can develop, his body can develop, he can start growing as a little child, become a toddler, then a little young boy. And, and you know, you, everybody here knows what I'm talking about. So the, the point is you can't stay on milk forever. He said, I want to give you meat, but you can't handle it. He said, he said, even as, as in the babies in Christ, I fed you with milk, not with meat. In other words, I want to give you things that are more helpful for you. I'd like to help you to understand more areas of the Word of God, but if you function in the carnal realm, you're not going to be able to handle them. If you act like a baby and you're just, and you're just drinking the milk of the word, and, and, and look, the milk could be described as this, I'm saved. You gotta have milk when you're saved. But God ain't want to leave you on milk. Listen, you young men in here, you young women, God wants to do something in you. He don't want you to stay a baby. Hey, Tristan, preach to my son-in-law. God don't want you to stay a, a baby in Christ. He wants to grow you. Roger, right? He wants to grow us. He don't want us to stay where we are. So in order for that to happen, we got to be willing to take the correction. We got to be willing to say, okay, I don't need a bottle anymore. I need the word of the Lord. I need meat. I need strength. I need to man up like a man of God and let God do what God wants to do in me and don't run off like a little baby crying, but be what God wants you to be the devil's trying to destroy our young generation of young people he wants the girls to think they're boys the boys to think the girls gender identity garbage all the craziness of this world and he wants to bring it into the church he wants to get it into the minds of your children 
He wants to deform them while God wants to conform them and make them something that the devil won't be able to handle in the days to come. But for that to happen, they got to grow. Even the children have to have the word of God. The best thing you can do for your children is give them the Bible, not a book. Nothing wrong with books if they're, you know, right in their own respective. But the Bible, if you're going to train them and teach them and show them what's right, what's wrong, what God expects of them, you got to get it from the Bible. You can't get it from the newspaper. You can't get it from the latest little kitty's book. You got to get it from the Word of God. God wants his children, was it first or second John, or I can't remember where the, John said that you young, he said, I'm speak, I speak to you young men because you are strong in the Lord. You're supposed to be strong in the Lord. We got a lot of growing up to do in the church. As human beings, I remember a time when being young and being told you need to grow up. But see, just somebody telling me that I need to grow up didn't grow me up. <laughs> you can tell people all day long, you need to grow up. And I know some people that need to grow up. But that can't go, that ain't gonna make them grow up until they get in the Word. Get in the Bible. Look, and let Jesus be the Lord of your life. He ain't going to take away your manhood. If anything, He's going to build your manhood. He'll make you a good father. He'll make you a good husband. He'll make you a good housewife. He'll make you whatever He wants to make you, but you got to look to Him and you can't be lazy toward the things of God. If you don't tend to your walk with God, if you don't tend to your relationship with God, you won't be built. And every time those problems come around, here we go again. We don't handle them right. We run off screaming. Well, I don't want to hear that. One way or another, you will hear it. Now, you can take it the easy way or the hard way. Some of us in this place had to take it the hard way, didn't we? Almost lost our soul. Come back that close to dropping into hell because I wanted to do things my way. And I wasn't about to let anybody tell me that I needed to change. Boy, I'm so glad I met Jesus. I'm so glad. As that song said, I crossed over the line. And just in time. And boy, when he got a hold of me and he started changing and crushing and breaking and showing me that my whole problem all my life is resisting him and wanting to do things my way. The only thing it was doing for me was sending me straight to hell. And see, if we ain't careful, we let a rebellious attitude come into the church. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. Why are you here for then? Do you act like that with the police? Do you get pulled over for speeding? What do you do? Look at them and tell them, you ain't giving me no ticket for nothing. I ain't done nothing wrong. Are you one of those resistors? (laughs) 
you resist. I'd resisted one night, got a big flashlight stuck up in my back. Hurt too. You know, you see them on TV, they're trying to subdue people, and they're going nuts. They say, Stop resisting! Well, we got, we got people sitting on church pews resisting. Stop resisting! And they end up in the pokey. See, you resist the movement of the Holy Spirit, that's where you end up in a spiritual pokey. But the Bible said, he said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you now yet able. They had problems in this church. He said, I wanted to give you the truth and you couldn't handle it. And even at this very time that I'm writing this to you from the information that I'm getting, you are not able to handle it. What is wrong? He said, here's what's wrong, for you are yet carnal. Mm. Carnal? What do you mean calling me carnal? Don't you know how long I've been listening to the message of the cross? Calling me carnal. Don't you know how long I've been saved? Call me carnal. I'll have you know I can quote this scripture, quote that scripture. I go to church and I do. You calling me carnal. I go to church. Well, you can go to church and be carnal. For you are yet carnal. What does that mean? It means, it means this. Here's the word. Here's what the definition of the word carnal means. It implies a weakness, a frailty, or imperfection of persons as being carnal or worldly. Oh, here's the right definition. Worldly. Now, here we are in the church, God's people acting just like the world that they were delivered out of. Well, what do you mean? Well, we'll read on a little bit and we'll find out. For where there is among you envying, envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Envying, strife, and divisions. Imagine that in, in Paul's church. Could you imagine that in Brother Swagger's church? That this kind of activity would take place? Well, I can tell you for sure it does because I've been a part of it for years and I've experienced a lot of nasty stuff from a lot of nasty people sitting under the truth. But let me tell you this while I'm on that. It didn't stop me from going to camp meeting and sitting there and standing and praising God and throwing my hands up and walk away with a blessing from God. I didn't want no matter that there were people in the building had their eyes set on me for evil and I could feel it and I could see it and I had to sit there and ignore them because all they are is carnal. But praise God, every time it ever happened, I walked out with a blessing come back home to Tennessee fired up revved up and ready to preach the gospel one more time and some of those very people I'm talking about are preachers of the gospel I tell my wife we go we sit out times and I said boy you feel it you feel it coming from this and all you feel it from these people who hate us ain't that a shame it don't happen here, does it? I hope it don't. God help us. 
I hope it don't. Is there anybody here that is there anybody today that you're just glad they ain't here? You got something wrong with you. All the look, all this. Where's he at? Where's she at? Well, I'm always here. And look, church, here's what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to destroy your church. Are you going to let him? He's trying to destroy you, not the building, you. And we have to, and we have to learn to work through. In the early days, that threw me off some. I'm going to tell you, it did. It was discouraging. I thought, how in the world can these people, how in the world can you sit where the, this is Jimmy Swaggart, man, what's, how in the world can you sit there and you hate me? And when the song starts, you got your hands in there, some of you running around and, and you parading around like you're the most spiritual people in the church. And I thought, this ain't no good. <laughs> you think there's not carnal people there? Look, for those of you that think, well, I ain't coming back to your church. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, go and find you nothing because you're going to find some carnal people. <laughs> you're going to run into it. That shouldn't stop us from being in church. That should not stop us from serving God. I felt some of the most evil come from people under the guise of the message of the cross, and you couldn't believe it. <laughs> and it didn't feel good. And you have to just ignore them. Tune them out. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And say, let them do whatever they want to do. Because in the end, we all going to stand before God. I ain't standing with them. I ain't standing with him. I ain't standing with you. I'm standing before the Lord, me and him. It's going to be about what did me and him, what did I let him do with my issues, not what did somebody else let him do. Indian. We get, we get these, this stuff. Look, the stuff that God brought us out of. The spirit of the world that was destroying some, some of you were really good at envying. We were really good at hating people. Despising people. I don't want to be around him. I don't want to see her face at the family reunion. <laughs> what is envying? Here's some definitions of envying. It means to be hot. Jealousy. Anger. Wow. You mean Christians get jealous? But they shouldn't. Why is any Christian jealous over some something somebody else has in the church? Why would any Christian be envious, Lord help me, of a little baby? who's innocent, never harmed one person. Just let somebody new come on the scene <laughs> like a little baby. And let's watch how we act. 
where he acts like his grandbaby is the only one around. He just acts like da 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 I love my grandbaby. And I'll tell you something else, this might shock some of y'all. I love your children too. I'd fight for your children as much as I would for him. Do you feel that same way about us? Envying, jealousy. The devil is good at causing God's people to act like fools. And look, we all done it from time to time. We've done it. We ain't supposed to practice it, but we've done it. Look, jealousy, it's envy. That's what it boils down to. Jealousy, it says this. Envy, uh, unlike phenoso something Greek word, envy when used is a good, in a good sense, zealous, or this word that we're talking about, zealous, signifies the honorable emulation with the consequent imitation of that which presents itself to the mind's eye as excellent. In other words, envying can be a good thing. You could be provoked to envy in a good way by seeing God do something to somebody, which is in, in a good sense, that word envy is not a bad thing. But listen to the other part of it. According to Aristotle, this word zealous grieves, not because another has the good, but that he himself does not have it and seeks to supply the deficiency in himself. Hmm. So it ain't so much that somebody's jealous because somebody else has something, it's because they don't have it. So then they become jealous of the one who does. The word says that we all are to be content with everything that God has given us, not to get our eyes on what somebody else has or don't have. Let God give you what God wants and you will be contented. You won't be jealous of anybody else. However, look, the word zealous, it may degenerate into a jealousy, look, which makes war upon the good that it sees in another. Now we got another aspect of it. Boy, some people ain't just satisfied with being jealous. They're going to make war upon those, the good that they see in another. You know, your life will provoke some people to anger. Do you know that you're living for Jesus? Just you're living for Jesus, living right, is enough. Because look, you got we got unsaved heathen all around us. They're miserable, they're lost, they're messed up. And then here you come around and you and your family got a smile on your face and you're talking about how God's done things for you and you don't look angry and you ain't mad about everything and you ain't cussing and fussing about everything going on in the world. And so they look at you like, how come you ain't like I am? Oh, I'll tell you why I ain't like you are, because I got saved. I got changed. My peace ain't in this world. My joy don't come from the things of this world. And so what it does is some people, it'll draw them to you. You can witness, but to others, it's like, they can't stand it that you're happy. 
And the devil will try to use those type of people to make war upon you. That's what envying is. Listen to this. Strife. This is how we know if we're carnal. This is how we know if we're walking in the flesh. There's envying and there is strife among you. The word strife means contention, wrangling. It means a love of strife. Here's a word, Adam, you'll know from football, rivalry. There ain't no rivalry in your house, is it? She's Georgia and you're Alabama, is that what it is? Or Tennessee, Georgia. Ain't no rivalry, are there? Rivalry, you know about those rivalry, rivalry ball games. Everybody's pumped up. Everybody's fired up because the team has been getting beat all these years by the other rivalry. It's about time they whip their butt. It's rivalry time. It's payback time. And we got it in the church. Payback. Rivalries. People competing with one another. Church ain't a competition. Ministry ain't a competition. It's a calling. Did you get that? Singing is a calling. It ain't a competition. Preaching is a calling. It ain't a con- So it ain't about who does it the best, who does it the most, who's the great. It's about Jesus Christ. See, you get your eyes on who this one is, who this one is, how great that one is, and you create rivalries in the church, and you start causing people to oppose others in the church. Then we got people that split off into groups in the church, and I got the message, and, and you don't and we know this and you don't and then what we do is we got a spirit of rivalry in the church and God's people are acting like the world. Mm. Here's a definition of strife. Verbal disputes. (laughs) Woo! Verbal disputes. Can't let somebody have the last word, can you? You just got to be right every time, don't you? Boy, me and my little brother, I don't know how many kicking matches we had in the bed at the, in the middle of the night trying to go to sleep. Him at one end of the bunk bed, me at the other. Papa, papa, kicking one another. And we just, nobody stopped kicking. We'd, about, we'd come to a close and he'd just reach over and just touch me. I said, oh, poof, kick him back again. Over and over, because I wasn't going to let him have the last kick. Your kids ain't never done that, have they? <laughs> Anna Kate's never done that like that. Surely not. That sweet little thing, no. Rather than just, as the word says, suffer the wrong, let them, let somebody be right. No, here's what the devil wants you to do. And this happens on social media and people need to be really careful. Verbal disputes. God's people start fighting with one another. Listen, Facebook can be a good thing. I ain't saying everybody needs to get off of it, deactivate your account, but you need to be careful how you use it. Remember this, you come to Family Worship Center, you represent Jesus, you represent this church. Whatever you put on there, remember, everybody sees it. 
So what are you doing? What are you saying? Are you, are you, I, I got drawn out in the early years. Boy, I'm telling you, I had some wars with some people. The Lord had to get a hold of me big time. And preachers that just want to dog everybody, demean everybody, bash everybody. And the devil wants to lure you into fighting with people. Boy, especially if that was one of your weaknesses before you got saved. <laughs> Because Lord knows that was mine. The bottle wasn't my problem after I got saved. Fighting with people was still the problem. Wanting to knock somebody upside the head was still my problem. Come on. Having to get delivered from a temper. Having to learn how to walk away when people are in your face and cussing you out. And oh, whoo. Having to learn how to give something to God, give people to God when they break in and steal your stuff. And let God handle it. God knows I wanted to handle it for a minute. There ain't not a person here that didn't want to handle something. Something happened. There ain't a person here that when something bad happens in the instant, you at first you want to handle it, but you got to get a hold of yourself and say, oh, no, no, no. Hold on just a minute, devil. No, no, no. We're going to let the Lord take care of this. And you got to work through stuff. And let then the Lord, he can get glory out of things because he brings you through it. You come out, you're not bitter, you're not angry, you ain't mad, you're not wanting to kill everybody. You just want to let God have his way. That's a part of denying yourself and taking up your cross and letting Jesus Christ have his way in your heart. And I'm still in the same process you are. So listen, if I don't act quite right, it shouldn't throw you off. Now hold on. If you, when you don't act quite right, it don't throw me off. So why is it if the preacher says something, he shouldn't have said, Oh, did you hear what he, you know what he did? Can you believe it? I never, he shouldn't, I don't, I, I, I'm not going back to that. Can you believe what he said? Brian told a little testimony a while back and I'm just telling his testimony. He took me to Middle Tennessee to go pick up my, our blessing my mom and stepdad gave us on the back of a trailer about a $40,000 blessing about right now. It keeps increasing. I'm praying the Lord it goes up, up, up and get a real big blessing maybe one day if it changes hands. God knows what he's doing. I can tell somebody right now, I can't, he shouldn't be talking about that. He ought to sell that and give every bit of the money to this. Da, 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 da. That's my blessing. I rode in that car when I was a heathen teenager, listening to my mama sing the gospel and preach and talk about the Lord and memories. I, I, and that car is a blessing. I ain't in love with it. I don't worship it, but I take it as a blessing. We're on our way back. And we're coming over the mountain, and he told you the story. Car stopped in front of us, a truck real quick, and he had to get on the brakes, and we thought we were fixing to maybe go off the mountain. And we had an expensive car on the back of the truck, and I can only imagine what he was thinking. And he said something he shouldn't have said, and I didn't, it didn't throw me off for one second. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I ain't worried about it. The fact that he said, I'm sorry, I, should, I shouldn't have said it, that told me right there. 
Now, did I jump down your throat, Brian? Well, you, I can't believe you said that. You better get in that altar Sunday, and you better repent, and you better, you better, you better stay out of church for a while, and you better sit in the back. And I didn't jump down his throat. It didn't throw me off. So why are you thrown off if Brother Thomas has a weak moment? Why are you thrown off if my first reaction to somebody breaking in and stealing my stuff is I want to strangle them? Because some of you would want to do more than strangle. So don't be so hard on me. I'm a human like you. Don't worship me. Don't put your confidence in me. Put it in Jesus. Listen to the gospel I preach. I want you to. It'll change you. But we all, if we ain't careful, we can start walking. Look, walking in the flesh. Let me say this. There's a difference in getting in the flesh and walking in the flesh. Getting in the flesh is what I just described. What Brian, what I talk about with Brian, us at times, we do it. But walking in the flesh means you're doing it on a regular basis and that ain't God's will for us envy, strife and division somebody going to get to breathe in just a second strife, I ain't finished with strife verbal disputes love of quarreling or contention, somebody who loves to quarrel they love to stir stuff up they're all over the internet. They love to stir stuff up. They love to agitate somebody. They lo- There's people out there, I'm going to tell you, who watch our services through Facebook, through the internet. They watch, and if they could with any one person in this place, they would stir you up and get you so agitated that they would pull you out of this church and get you away from the truth if you let them. You say, I, what? I'm telling you, there's some evil people on the Internet. And one of the reasons is because you got something they don't have, and they don't want you to have it. You don't have religion. You got a relationship. You got a living relationship with the Lord that's bringing a church. You got the Holy Ghost moving in your church. You got God touching people. You, and they don't have that, and they don't want you to have it. So we don't need to be surprised when Satan attacks us and attacks our church. That's normal. We just got to be careful that we don't give in and start walking in the flesh. Divisions is the last one. Dissension. A separate faction. A separation. Schism. A tearing apart. Just like what I just mentioned. A tearing apart. Do you know what happens... When Satan hurts you, do you know what happens when you allow Satan to have his way? Do you know what happens when you get your eyes off of Jesus and it hinders you, pulls you away from God's will, hinders you what God's called you to do? Do you know who it hurts? It hurts us. It hurts me. It hurts my wife. It hurts the church. It hurts the ministry. Because any time, if if a chain link gets broken, it weakens the whole chain. So any time people in church, God's people start 
walking in the flesh and Satan starts having his way, it don't just affect them. It affects everybody. And that's why we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and not one another. Not on who baptized us, not on formulas, on Jesus Christ. And the divisions will go. Division is a tearing apart, heresy, disunion, a partition, or <clears throat> separation. That's what Satan wants to do in the church. Let's separate everybody. Let's get this bunch over here focused on this, and this bunch focused on that, and this bunch focused on this, and this one on this, and then when it's time for everybody to come to church because these are focused on this, and these are focused on this, and these are focused on that, and then the preacher gets up, and he's focused on Jesus, and he's trying to get people focused on Jesus, and we got everybody focused on everything else, and it makes it so hard for the ministry. You know what makes our life easier? when you get in line and let the Holy Ghost have his way? You know what will make your life easier? Let Jesus be Lord every day. Let, let, him, let him change us. Let him drive out the flesh. Let him do what he wants to do. Anytime we get our focus off of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, it arouses the sin nature in us. And that's where the works of the flesh come from. But good news, there's an answer. The cross. The same thing that brought you in is the same thing that can change what needs to be changed. Stand to your feet. Would you come, Mr. Grace, Michaela? Listen. I want to say this again about the altar. And I don't ever want to discourage anybody from coming to the altar. You come to the altar when you feel like the Lord wants you. You come. But you got to understand something. Making a showing down here, making a showing in church, it ain't enough. There must be a surrendering to God's will. There must be an opening of that heart and saying, Lord, help me to live this life. Look, if there's, let me say this. If you are guilty of anything that was preached this morning, here's the first thing you need to do. Repent. Repent. Lord, I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. Lord, and don't just forgive me. God, take it away from me. Lord, if there's jealousy in me, God, take it out of me. Lord, if there's envy, God, take it out of me. This is what Christianity is, church. And she begins to say, if you want to come for anything, come. Things that you need to bring to the Lord, bring them. And walk out of this place free. Walk out free by the power of God. If there's things God is dealing with, let God deal with them. Let Him change them. Let Him do what He wants to do. He wants to make mighty men and women out of us, church. He wants to make you somebody. The devil wants to destroy you, but God wants to build you. Come on, church. Begin to pray. Listen, this altar is here for those that need help, for those that are crying out. 
you need it today, step out and come. So many are falling. And let's trust God today. On the left and the right. Come on, church, praise Him. If you feel no led to pray, step out and come and pray. And yes. Lord, help us not to fall into the trap of the devil. Help us not to walk in the flesh, Lord, but help us to follow the truth. Not defeated. No way, devil. Church, we're almost home. We're not defeated.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless this morning. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you, God, for Pastor Thomas delivering the message this morning. Lord God, delivering the word, God, from 1 Corinthians, God. We pray that we will not be carnal-minded, Lord Jesus, but that we will walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and of death. Lord God, please bring us back here this evening to celebrate you again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744